from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. Uh, it's all right. Those, the, the, those must be the poodle beds uh, behind you. Those are the poodle beds. I don't know where they are, um, but those are my coworkers, yeah. and uh, they are obviously out to lunch. When is it? One o'clock. They ought to be back, <laughs> darn it. I knew about the poodle beds because I, I saw that on your LinkedIn profile or somewhere. I don't know. Maybe it was on the bio on your website. I can't remember. It might have been the bio on my website. Could have been any number of places. They're so, I'm sort of inextricably tied to them from an identity perspective. <laughs> uh tara kuman's on the rider flex podcast today uh tara are you in uh los angeles or where are you today i I am in beautiful los angeles okay how's your weather let me guess 72 and like perfect and sunny with like no we haven't gotten to 72 yet i live sort of uh on the west side which stays pretty cool up until about october so i think we're probably in the low 60s today and it is sunny and uh, we are delighted. Okay, low 60s. Yeah, that's like almost cold for you, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> where, are you from, where, where are you from originally? Gosh, uh, that's a hard question to answer. I was born and raised in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I went to high school and college in Scottsdale, Arizona. I started my business in Honolulu, Hawaii, and then moved to Los Angeles about six years ago. When you said Wisconsin, the accent came out like just a tad, like just a little bit, and then you went back, and then it reverted back. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I am one hundred percent. When I talk about Wisconsin, it pulls it pulls me right back. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're rolling, we're live, so we'll just keep talking. I was going to do a bunch of hey. intro stuff, but we're already we're rolling, so we'll just keep going for the cameras. Is that all right with you? Sure, absolutely, wonderful. How did you go to? How did you decide Arizona State from growing up in Wisconsin? How'd that happen? Well, so I moved to Arizona when I was in high school. And oh, 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 uh, I see, I see. If you've, if you've ever been to um, in, in a Midwest winter, it's not hard to want to stay in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I became a Sun Devil. I went to Arizona State. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, majored in communications, right? Yes, yes. Were you thinking you wanted to be like a TV personality? Or what, what were you thinking when you were in college? You know, yeah, I mean, I didn't actually want to go into broadcasting, but I enjoy uh, the, I, I, what I call the art and science of communication. So there's, okay. uh, there are both aspects to it. And the uh, degree that I have sort of incorporates all of that and puts it into one. So that led me into do, going into PR and marketing, which is where I'm at today. Okay, very good. Uh, before I get started in your professional career, What'd your mom and dad do? Were they like super extroverted communication people? Like, give me, give me some background on your parents. Yeah, my mom does come from a broadcast um, uh, family. Her father okay. was uh, a reasonably well-known broadcaster in Grand Rapids, Wisconsin, in the local market, or Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the local market. Cool. And my mother did major in broadcasting before she decided to get married and have kids. Wow. And... Uh, my father worked for IBM for the vast majority of his career. So I, uh, I grew up in sort of a nerdy computer household and uh, my mom was a mom. Okay. Okay. Very good. But there was some interest there from, so, so your mom's background kind of sparked you maybe a little bit, huh? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, and my, my, my uncle was uh, in radio for a short period of time. He has an outstanding radio voice. 
Um, so yeah, there, there was actually absolutely a connection. I, I, uh, it's just something that has always fascinated me. I think we can all learn to be better communicators. I include, certainly include myself in that. It's, it's a constant, uh, I think it's a constant practice. Any siblings? Are you we the only child? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no, I'm the oldest of two. Uh, my sister is three years younger than I am, and she is a physical therapist. She is okay. She's nope. in California. Yeah. Is she in California or Wisconsin or where, where Arizona? Where no, she, at? she landed in Fort Collins, Colorado, where she and her husband and two children live. Okay, well, I live about thirty minutes south of there, so we were. Oh, so uh, you? Yeah, that's right. I love Fort <laughs> Collins. I think Fort Collins is a special place. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Colorado's pretty mm -hmm. cool. I mean, hey, Southern California is not bad too, right? But uh, uh, you know, Colorado's everybody in Colorado is going to cringe when I say this, but there will come a day when I will move my California self up to Colorado, <laughs> <laughs> whether I'm invited or not. <laughs> that is kind of a big topic here these days yeah. uh, in Colorado. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're down at the local pub uh, visiting with friends, you know, you'll hear somebody say, "Oh." people from California moving yeah. here yeah you'll, you'll get that <laughs> you know it's really funny when I used to visit my sister from when we lived in Hawaii and I would visit my sister in Fort Collins and she would introduce me to people in the community and she would say my sister's visiting from Hawaii they would all say oh my gosh that's so great now when I visit and she introduces <laughs> me as her sister visiting from Los Angeles I get this stone cold look you're not house yeah. looking, are you <laughs> really it's pretty weird uh, because yeah you get that reaction I think mm -hmm. but, but here's here's the deal right all the people that live in Colorado they don't like the fact that more people are moving here but they do right. love the fact but they do love the fact that their home values keep going up because people right. are paying more more for their homes right so it's like well which one do you want do you want your property value to go up or do you want nobody to move here it's like you can't really have both Listen, I get I get both sides of that fence for sure. After living in Hawaii for eight years, I completely understand both sides of yeah. of that fence. And yeah. uh, I, you know, what's attractive to about Colorado is that it is distinct and different from California. And so you really want to be able to maintain that Colorado identity. And I I absolutely get that. And I right. so I understand. And I yeah, I remember living in places where people were moving in and buying homes with cash myself. And I it's it's feels very frustrating if you're from the location because even if you if, even if your home values go up you you say okay that's great I can sell a house and then you go around and you look and everything else has gone up too and you're like right. oh <laughs> you know can't afford what I thought I was going to be able to afford exactly so right right exactly yeah. yeah yeah totally um okay so so let's get started in your career so sorry you get out of Arizona State walk me through some of your early career before you started your own thing real quick go for it so my very first job out of college was selling insurance for a uh, small business owner. Okay. And I was really good at it, but I didn't actually enjoy it. So I, I took a job for half of what I was making to go work in the event industry and to produce uh, live events, mostly um, corporate events, uh, you okay. know, incentive events or, uh, you know, a, a corporate year-end meeting kind of thing. Um, and I really loved that. And I started a business. I, that eventually led me to starting my very first business with some business partners. Um, loved doing that. I did a little bit burnout on on that. It was a Monday through Sunday job. 
I mean, it really mm. never stopped. Mm. I was mm. in my twenties. And so I had a lot of energy, but I, I mean, I was really living to work. And, um, so I, I moved on from that and I, uh, took a job in publishing. I was, um, and that eventually led me to starting a magazine with some business partners. Um, I did that for a bunch of years. We sort of have different, had different visions of what we wanted the business to be. And, uh, so when that ended, uh, I, got another job in marketing and PR for a great company in Scottsdale, Arizona. Loved doing that. But then I moved to Honolulu, Hawaii and started the business that I'm running today. I moved the moved started my business in 2008. Didn't know a single person in Honolulu, Hawaii. So that's, I mean, looking why'd back at it now, I'm like, why, why, well, yeah, we moved what, what was that? We moved there for my husband's work. Oh, oh okay. Okay. I was going to say, how'd you pick Hawaii? All right. So you moved yeah. there. All right, and you started your your own firm there. But but was were you by yourself? Did you have a co-founder? By myself. Just okay. Okay. Yeah. And was it always okay? Was it always called Avance? Am I saying it right? By the way, it's Avance. 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 Let me let me say Avance. I said it kind of like a kid from Oklahoma that didn't know how to pronounce stuff right. Yeah. Avance. No. I. It's fine. <laughs> I. Um, I, I like to pick difficult names to pronounce. It creates a topic of conversation. Um, Avance. How did you pick Avance the name? Avance has been a couple of different things. So Avance okay. is, means um, progress or advantage. And uh, I really wanted to choose a name that represented at least some of our beliefs about how we approach marketing and PR. We, we always want to be that secret sauce that we bring to our clients, the thing that, that everybody's everybody wonders gosh how are they doing it right what's happening mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. so um but it has been a couple of different iterations over the years um when i lived in hawaii it was called akamai marketing pretty well um established there locally when i moved to los angeles the first name i gave it was poodle mafia um hold on hold then, on let's hold on let's take a pause right there poodle mafia now yeah that's elegantly cool. aggressive communications that's kind of a cool name though. I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, that's, that's, that's catchy. Like I, I could see yeah. that sticking. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying that Avance is not a cool name, but Poodle Mafia. No, I loved Poodle Mafia. I really, really loved it. I found that I was working with um, some pre IPO type companies and, and some in, in, in investment relations firms that were sort of having a hard time taking us seriously. And I didn't think it represented the, you know, the breadth and depth of strategy that we were, that we were offering. So that, that actually is, was the primary trigger of changing the name. Now, you know, I see, I hear people say that sometimes and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, Google, <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. they're going to VC meetings back there. Like, yeah, our name's Google. And the VC guys are like, what Google? Like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> if I had, if I had, you know, $300 billion of branding and <laughs> marketing behind me. I think I could pull it off. Um, All right. But I think, okay. you know, when we are a small business and we are, we're a very boutique firm. We have to really think about this. I think this is part of the art and, and joy of communications, right? I loved Poodle Mafia because it was catchy. I thought that it represented the LA market really, really well. Agreed. Um, but as our business grew and as the type of clients that we were working with grew, we needed to sort of grow with our business. And so okay. that's, I, I think this is going to be the last name change. Honestly, I am done. 
<laughs> well, how many how many people mispronounce your the company name right now? I'm just curious. Every time you talk to somebody, it's Avance. Avance. So Avance. Avance, which mm -hmm. is you know it's it's Flemish for it's like advance. It's Flemish for you know or so if you say it right, Avance, then it sounds like advance, and it's okay. fine. Um, okay. But that's you know, I mean, I was looking for a name that no one else had. There's a little, you know, SEO sauce in there, a little, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it gets harder and harder to find those 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 languages. I know. When, when, when did you when did you rebrand? When was that rebranding to Avance? I rebranded right around the time COVID hit. I went. Ooh. I just went deep. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm a crazy entrepreneur. Wow. So you're like, okay, I want to change my name and then boom, COVID. You're like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. That's no, I changed time. it in reaction to some of the things that were happening during COVID. Right. Oh. I, I, I oh. wanted to, again, you know, our clients were changing and adjusting. Um, we did have a COVID dip. I had a little extra time and I had thought a lot about where I wanted the company to go and what I wanted to do with it. And, um, and that's, that was the, that was the cause for the rebrand. I still have the old websites up. So, you know, we're sort of just funneling all the information into one place now, but, but we're, that's what we're, that's what we're using these days. <laughs> okay. All right. So I have had a lot of marketing, social media, PR guests on the show. So yeah. let's do this. Let's, let's, I want you to tell the listeners right now why Avance is the place they need to go. Right. What, tell me what's, give it to us, the secret sauce, go for it. Yeah. So we're pretty unique from a boutique uh, agency standpoint. We pretty, we go pretty deep shoulder to shoulder with our clients. We offer a couple of very specific services. We are media relations, which means getting your name in the press, um, strategic and messaging and consulting, just sort of an overall brand. How are you representing your brand in, in digital media? And we also do social media. Uh, so we, we touch on your consumer relations from the standpoint of how you're viewed by your consumer as well as how you're viewed by your, by the media. And it's okay. always our goal to balance those two, you know, the awareness in both those areas. What's your biggest uh, piece of the pie PR or social media, or what's the biggest piece of your business? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely PR. I have a huge social media background. And so, and, and social media really is a vertical of PR, but uh, we are a, you know, we are a messaging and, and overall branding kind of firm. So sometimes people want to do really nutty things in social media, like an influencer engagement program. And, and what we do in those kinds of circumstances is we work with another expert, but we don't, we don't do social media influencers. That's it's, you know, I have to draw the line somewhere and just not in our bandwidth. If you're looking for a consistent presence, creative, engaging, some back and forth with your community, we do that very, very well, but we do not do, you know, these, some of the things that social media has become today, um, not because we don't like to, but because we just, we have to focus our efforts. And one of the things that we have found for our clients is the bigger and more trackable return is placement in press. And so we want to spend our energies creating those opportunities that the clients are excited to see. Social media feels a lot of times like something that people feel that they need to do and they should and they do. In fact, we don't accept clients that don't have a social media presence. 
but uh, but it isn't always the thing that's going to that they feel that is going to get them to their next strategic goal. And and earn media plays a significant role in growing businesses. Who's your Who's your target client? Is is a startup? Is a small business? Is it uh, I don't know athletes, entertainers, big yeah. business CEOs? Great what, question. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're we're sort of a, a pre-IPO, immediately post-IPO uh, firm in okay. emerging markets. So okay. we have done a lot in the cannabis space. We've done a lot in drone, the commercial drone industry. Uh, okay. We've done a lot in emerging tech. So we're sort of in that sweet spot of you've probably you have a minimum viable product. You've done you've had a couple rounds of funding probably you okay. fumbled around with your brand a little bit and now you're now you've sort of worked out some of the kinks and now you're ready to really show the world what you've got and that's that's where we come in okay so it's a brand person kind of a brand pr firm not necessarily an individual per so an individual yeah. wouldn't call you okay is that right yeah i mean we've had some some conversations we have done some individual individual pr conversations um but i but in general it's not our number one vertical okay does the marketing officer of an emerging company call you when it's in trouble and they got a bunch of bad reviews and the glass door sucks and they've got oh man we got to fix our image or do they call you when they got a huge round of funding and they're ready to you know normally the latter normally when they have when they have identified that they have some strategic initiative and a growth, significant growth opportunities or growth desires, normally the latter. We do do uh, what we call reputation management, online reputation management for our existing clients, but we rarely start an engagement on that um, in that way. Is that because you're looking at them going, damn, bro, you already messed up your brand. I can't save you now. <laughs> no, it's really just, here's the thing. I mean, it's like anything. I really want, here's, here's my number one thing for that I tell my team members and, and my clients, which is we are going to get in there shoulder to shoulder with you. You are going to be communicating with us on a regular basis. However, I cannot care more about the brand than you do. Mm. So like if that. you haven't already considered some of these other aspects of the way that you are mm. appearing, mm. Um, then it's sort of a red flag for me. Mm. Um, Great and point. So, Great yeah, point. So it's just something that we consider when we're evaluating client fit. Great point, right? Like I hadn't thought about that. Like, so, okay, so your reviews are in the shitter and you haven't done anything about it. Right. But now you, but now you want to hire a PR firm? It's like, what? <laughs> right. I mean, you might argue that a PR firm should help you with that. And that, and that is a discussion I am willing to engage in, right? If you're, but if, but if those reviews have been up there six, seven months, right. A year, I'm thinking, so you haven't taken your brand seriously at all up until mm, this point. Great point. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a concern. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes there's triggers, you know, we had this one incident happen and it created a bunch of bad reviews and we're really, we've never had that before and we really don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Very different circumstances. That's very different. That's a lot different. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally yeah. agree. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. Okay. Very good. So you talked about your target uh, customer. How big is the agency? How many employees? We have about six team members. We're all distributed. We all work remote. So you can see I'm working, calling you from my mm -hmm. home office. Our entire mm -hmm. team works remotely. We're in Denver, cool. DC, um, uh, Florida, and 
LA, of course. And I actually have a team member who is a nomad. Mm, I like that too. I like that He's too. Right around, got, got his RV, yeah. got his, got his van yeah. with a little antenna on top. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, hey. she and her cat just, I mean, they live, they live, all, they live all over the country. I love that. Hey, as long as you can mm -hmm. connect, I'm, I'm all for yeah. that. Um, Me too. Uh, okay. So, and what were your revenues and profits last year? Just joking. You, <laughs> you don't have to share that. <laughs> favorite year ever, but I'm proud that we're still standing. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. COVID was what, Hey, yeah. How did COVID affect you? I mean, was it, did it, uh, so it was a hit for you. Well, talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about the, so the we, effects of COVID. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because this is my third financial crisis as an entrepreneur, right? right. You were, <laughs> so 08, so you had the 08, 09, you had COVID. What else? What am I missing? 9-11. I bought yeah, my, my, yeah, okay, my okay, second gotcha. business yeah, the yeah. day before 9-11. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. just been, through this, been through this a couple of times. <laughs> been through this a couple of times. I know that everyone knows they're not supposed to pull back on PR and marketing when there's a financial crisis. And I know that everybody does. Mm. And I also know that it happens about every 10 years. <laughs> um, right. 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 So yeah. there's always, so I'm not wildly surprised. I, we do not spend every dollar that we make. Um, and mm. so we were able to push through. Um, there were, there were some, I mean, it was just like dominoes falling. We're going to go on pause. We're going to go on pause. We're going to oh, go yeah. on pause. Yep. And then the even weirder thing that's happened is mm. that as the economy has started to pick back up and things have looked a lot more promising, um, we are on, we, what's holding us up right now is supply chain. We have a number of clients who cannot get product yeah. to yeah. market mm -hmm. and can't do what they need to do until they do. There's yep. three or four of those happening right now. Totally agree. When some of those clients were calling to put you on hold during COVID, uh, were you like, were you like, yeah, but you have like a 12 month contract and it's monthly installments. So I need to, yeah. what'd you do? Well, our, our answer is always, um, first of all, do you really want to do this? Because everyone is pulling off and you are actually going to get more ROI for anything that you do right now. Um, and so that's number one. Um, number two is, is this, is this a knee jerk reaction or is this because you're, you're worried about your own revenues? Mm -hmm. um, and so we have a deep discussion about that. We were really flexible with a number of our clients um, and a number of our clients did right by us and some of them didn't. And, um, but that's the risk that, that we have to take sometimes. Um, oh. I think that's sort of the, you know, that personal relationship that you get when you work in a boutique arrangement is, is sort of an advantage. You know, we do have a contract that is lock solid. I don't, I can be as firm and as aggressive as we need to be. Um, but that isn't always great for my brand either. And so I like to think, think about it from a little bit bigger picture of, you know, what's the relationship worth, where are we headed? Um, and then how can we be part of the solution? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you have to lay anybody off or no? No, no, we, we cut Good some hours. Good yeah. We cut some, you know, we cut some hours, we cut back some hours, but we didn't have to lay anybody off. Good, good. Congratulations. Hey, you've made it through another crisis and let me guess i mean things are, things, are, things are look things are busy right now i'm guessing things are very busy right now we're we are we are i yeah i'm very grateful 
but you know, as I said, what it's what is keeping us from being even busier is the you know the larger economy, which is amazing to me. Did you bootstrap all of these uh, businesses from the beginning, and have you ever taken on cash from the outside? Two two part question. Yeah, I have bootstrapped everything, every single business that I have ever done. I actually one except the second business we did have some outside funding. Um, I had business partners during that business. Okay. I would do outside funding a little differently today if I had that the, you know, if that was a a, a goal of ours. What's your plan? Are you are you thinking, uh, hey, this is a nice little lifestyle business for me here. I got a nice little team, and this is I'm good to go right here. A fair or is it question? You know, okay. So there's two plans. One is what the first. We have great business. We have great clients. I, we have a great team. Um, we do great work. That in and of itself is extremely satisfying to me. Yep. Um, and it's eminently scalable. I mean, we can grow uh, as much as, as you want to. Yep. Yeah, as much as we want to. So uh, there are, of course, I think like a lot of people, if somebody said, what would happen if I gave you $100 million, what would you do with it? Yeah, there's a plan. Um, there's a plan not just for the agency. I, you know, I have a bunch of, I have a whole, I'm probably like a lot of entrepreneurs. I have a whole host of business ideas um, that I think are all really pretty exciting um, that, that I think would radically change my industry actually. Um, but I frankly, because it is a bootstrap business, don't have time to pursue those ideas independent of, of what we do. I just That's want the guys truth. I just want the listeners to know that if you do want to contribute a hundred million dollars, I have a bunch of great ideas for that too here at Riderflex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I won't say no, and I have a whole plan for you. However, yeah, I got a plan. You know, I, I, I think raising money for ideas and and is is a really exciting process, but I think it requ- it requires one hundred and ten percent of your effort and your engagement. And going after those ideas, I, I often have to weigh going after those ideas versus um, what, you know, what it is I do right now and the commitments I've made. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So being in the service business myself here at Riderflex as a recruiting firm, I get the same question, you know, from time to time, we'll meet with people and we'll be like, so Steve, what's your plan? Are you going to like sell? Are you going to be like raise blah, 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 you know? And I always kind of look at him and go, listen, man, I did like five interviews today. We signed two new contracts. I'm here with you at a business development meeting, trying to close another contract. And then it's eight o'clock and then I'm going to go home and go to sleep and get up the next morning and do it again. So no, I don't really have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love to, you know, first of all, I don't know that I'm ever going to actually retire in the traditional yeah. sense, yeah. Um, but I would love to turn it over eventually to someone okay. else, or, okay. you know, okay. in the, in the future, um, mm-hmm. you know, create an equity program for them to eventually move into running the business. That would make me really, really happy. Um, I think that we yeah. are, you know, but we're away from that, honestly. <laughs> I think, I think that's a, I think that's a good pause right there for the listeners. You know, the entrepreneurial folks listening to this, to this show, very few companies are going to actually like raise a hundred million dollars right. and then se- and sell it and retire as billionaires, you know, 90, I don't even know what the percentage is, but 90% of the small service owned businesses are going to be great little lifestyle businesses that, that 
have 15, 20 employees and they create a nice little life for the founders. And then if the founder can kind of trail off a little bit and let somebody else run it and keep the mm -hmm. business going and kick off two, 300 grand of distributions to the founder of founder every year while they're semi-retired. Hey, cool. That's great. I mean, there you go. You're successful, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I mean, I think that's, I think that's every entrepreneur's goal eventually is to work yes. on the business, not in the business. Right. Yes. yes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, to me, that's a, it's a reasonable goal to do something mm -hmm. like that. And, and I think mm -hmm. it's, and you know, it's a worthy goal. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think you, to your point, I don't think I have to do a hundred billion dollars a year nah. in revenue to be no. proud of what I've built. You know, I'm no. a builder. Um, I'm proud of that. I create jobs. I add to the economy. I act, I'm a, yes. you know, I'm a, I, yep. I treat my clients excellent. I treat my vendors excellent. You mm -hmm. know, no one has ever heard I didn't get paid from, you know, from me. Right. So, um, I, I'm proud of that. And, Very good. you know, in, sm in, in small ways, I think that that contributes as much to the economy and to business operations as does a, a Google, for example. What's the scariest part about being an entrepreneur for you? Yikes. Um, I, I'm not really scared of it anymore. I used to be afraid of revenue highs and lows and not knowing how to project all of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, I've built the business to sort of manage that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I'm always cognizant. I guess my worst fear is having, having a series of clients that have bad experiences with us. That would be, I feel a real, that would probably really disappoint me. Um, but I'm not worried about revenue anymore. I'm not where I can always grow revenue, but I'm not worried about, will we grow? I'm not worried about, can we grow? I'm more, I think my worry is just keeping the, the relationship and the, and the experience and the quality of work up as we grow. That's probably my biggest fear. And that is key for a service oriented business where once you get to a certain point, once you get big enough, the founder finds it hard to touch every single client and manage every single thing. So you have to, yeah. you have to put the reputation of your brand into other people's hands, which is a little bit scary sometimes, right? It's, it is. It's, <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, I, you know, because our build has been slow, right? I started in 2008. I spent a lot of time thinking about what it is that we do and how we do it and the way that we do it. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's sort of second nature to me as we grow to, can, to, to make sure that everybody's in the loop on that. But I do think that it does get harder the more you grow. And yes, yes if, when, the, when, the, when the owner is no longer in, in touch with every single piece of it, how do you ensure that that, 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 that mm -hmm. legacy continues? It's, that's the, you know, especially with a distributed team, it's a unique challenge. I, I really believe very strongly, always have, that a distributed team is more productive, is more effective, um, less, less stressed and more creative. Um, but it does have its challenges. Yeah. Right? And building culture is one of those challenges. You know, my wife asks, she'll ask me, she'll say, well, what are you stressed out about? And I'll say, well, the bigger we get, the more recruiters we have, the more people we hire, the more I'm putting the reputation into other people's hands. So if you, you know, that's what I lose sleepovers because I can't, I can't do it all myself anymore. And so, so I just tell the recruiters like, Hey, I was like, look, if you mess up the brand, I will kill you. 
No. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's super easy, guys. Don't worry about it. If you mess up, you're dead. So yeah. don't worry. It's fine. Yeah. No, I totally get that. I mean, uh, I I think I think that's it's a it's it's a very real real thing yes, when you dedicate no, your totally. life to building something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that is exactly right. And the same thing applies to. I don't know, the local plumber or the, the local, you know, electrician or anybody that has a service business like that, right? Like, you know, same thing. They start getting busy enough and they hand their reputation over to other people. It's very critical. So, okay. Absolutely. So, so for folks, well, first, before I, get, before I kind of talk about your, your website and how people can reach you, I wanted to ask you about something else real fast as it relates to PR. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting topic here. Uh, we got, we got a little bit of time left. What is your advice to CEOs, especially as it relates to PR mm-hmm. with this, with this trend of, of speaking out on social media about sensitive topics and like taking sides on things, whatever it yeah. is, right? Like whatever the hot topic is of the day, you, you, you name it. I don't get politics, COVID, whatever, like whatever, whatever the, whatever the buzz thing is for the week. Yeah. <laughs> I, then, and I see CEOs and sometimes the brands are like, okay, I'm, we're going to take a stance on this. And you know, this week, everybody likes blue and we're going to come out and say, mm-hmm. you like green. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody feels like they got to take sides on whatever the issue is. What's your advice to, uh, What's your PR advice to these these CEOs for this stuff? It totally depends on your brand. So my first question is always why? Mm. Okay. Is this something that's important to you as an individual? Is it something that's important to the brand? Um, Right. Because it could be, that could be two separate things, right? Two different things. That's right. Exactly. And if, and if it's the CEO who says, well, I just can't stand it. I can't stand by. Then we say, okay, so how closely tied is the CEO, CEO's brand to the company's brand? Right. Right. And then, and then we make a decision and we, and, we re, and we make some recommendations based on that. Now, I do think another thing, which is uh, businesses are increasingly going to be inextricably tied to culture. However, larger brands have more bandwidth to manage backlash. Right. So if you're Nike and you want to make a statement, you have a team of yeah. 200 PR and marketing people right. in house <laughs> plus your agencies, okay? So you you have the bandwidth to and you mm. can you have probably actually already anticipated the bandwidth. Right. Yep. Right? And you're you're ready for it. You're you, you're yeah. Yeah. it's all a plan. Um, and, and because you have 300 people in marketing and PR, you can create a plan yep. in 24 hours. Um, if you're a smaller brand and you can't take the risk, you need to think real carefully about why you're doing it and what the implications are and how you will set yourself up for success. Mm-hmm. Also, remembering that it may not, you may not get blowback today. You might get blowback in five years. Ooh, so when when the winds of the tide change on opinions and things like that, and even things that are that seem exceptionally crystal clear to us, what we say today may mm. be misunderstood or misinterpreted, even if we're on the right side of history, mm-hmm. may be misunderstood or misinterpreted five years down the road. Great so point. 
got to really be thinking about why it is that we're doing this and how it is that we're going to do this. I'm not going to tell anybody no. I'm just going to say, here are the potential considerations that you should take as a brand. And those considerations are going to be unique to the business, to the consumers, right? I mean, and people are sensitive to it on different levels. So you just really have to look at who your audience is. Are you public? Are you private? Are you, you know, how big is your brand? How ready are you for flashback? I mean, all those things um, and make a decision. I wrote a blog post a couple of years ago, stand by your brand. Um, I think Taco Bell had done a tweet that was tongue in cheek, um, a little off color, and but completely on brand for for their social presence oh, at the time. Okay. okay. And um, you know, my take on it was that this tweet at the time made, got them a ton of press and a ton of coverage. Didn't hurt anybody's feelings. Didn't create any you know any brand valuation problems okay. and had they gone the safe route no one even would have paid attention so i mean you have to consider sometimes when the risk is is good to take um burger mm-hmm. king just made a huge splash a couple of weeks ago with a, with burger king oh um they did a tweet in during women's month right um and the tweet said women belong in the kitchen I didn't know that. I didn't hear, but I guess I didn't see that in the news. I missed that. Wow. What so this is a bold what, statement. What was there? What but was the, the next tweet? Yeah. The next tweet is we're contributing X number of dollars and supporting this organization that trains women chefs to make sure, make sure that women have equal opportunities in kitchens around the globe. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. So they got a ton of heat for that. Wow. Um, and their wow. CEO actually apologized. Wow. Okay. Okay. Interesting. You know, it is a fascinating topic. I, I growing up, I'm, I'll be 54 this summer. So gr- growing up, I don't like remember, maybe it was always this way. I don't know, but I just don't, I don't remember because social media wasn't, you know, yeah. like it is today, but I just don't remember. I don't remember brands and CEOs like taking sides on sensitive topics all the time. Like it seems. Well, they didn't have as many channels. I guess. Right. I mean, yeah. I guess. I guess you know, that's when- it. Yeah. When, when, when we were kids, there was three television channels and PBS, <laughs> right? There was the local radio station, right? You know, um, now there's the number of outlets, you know, from, from bloggers to podcasters, to social media, to yes. the traditional yes. media. I mean, there, there's a platform for you to stand on. Look at what we're doing today, right? Mm-hmm. The, yep. All of these things provide an opportunity for people to raise their profile to be leaders in the in the in the world or in their industry but they also provide an opportunity for us to slip and slide so that and the accessibility right CEOs didn't didn't ever go directly to the press when, when, right. that would like never happen but a CEO today pulls out his phone and starts tweeting <laughs> and the entire PR team is having a stroke but he's doing it anyway you know i mean this happens so yeah yeah, the accessibility of it all makes it makes it very different today and fast moving you know what i think when i see a ceo uh uh do something like that like make a comment on something i always think to myself listen man i just want to call the guy up and go or girl woman whatever i just want to call him and go listen do me a favor just 
make your product, make it good quality, make it at a good price and get it to my house when you're supposed to. That's it. Like, I, I don't give a shit what you think about anything. Just sell me a good product on time and deliver it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I also think it's interesting because um, you and I aren't too terribly far apart in age, but I also think it's a little generational. Uh, younger is. people yeah, are expecting leadership on on social impact, cultural and cultural and environmental issues from businesses. And if they right. aren't hearing that, then they are less inclined. So isn't again, that interesting? Really about find, noticing your audience. I find that fascinating, and I, I mm -hmm. hear that all the time. I hear that all the time, and I have two millennial sons, and so oh, there you go. Uh -huh. And uh, so I'm always talking to them about that, right? I'm always yeah. like, so. So like when you buy a pair of shoes, do you like give a crap about what their quote cause is? Or like, do you just want it to be at a good price and good, good quality? Because in my old, old man vision, I'm like, I just want good price, good quality delivered on time. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> and, I, and I'm always picking and I'm always picking their brain. I'm like, so tell me, what, what is it like you, is that like important to you? So, okay. They got a really cool yeah, but cause. It is for them because, because yeah. it's part of their identity. It is right. So it, it right? is, yeah. It's sort of I like, so. do you remember when we were kids and it, for the first time we were wearing t-shirts with brands on them or, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And remember how people were just amazed that we would give these companies promotional free promotions all the time, <laughs> just by walking around with their logo on our chest or on our right? back. Yeah. Okay. The, it's not weird that the millennial generation mm. has taken it the next step, which is if I'm going to put this mm. on my body and I'm going to represent mm then I want to know what I'm representing. I actually think there's an authenticity there that our, yeah. that our generation completely missed. We were just I like, agree. it's cool. We I like agree. it. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, can't argue with that. I definitely can't argue with that. You know, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, um, I do like, I do love millennials for that. I do love the fact that, and I was, I hate to like, I don't want to like pick on millennials. Right. But I love the fact that younger people in general I feel like they, yeah, they do want to have some other connection of some kind, yes. right? Yes. Um, but I also love the fact that they um, are, are, are they're, they do better at balancing their lives, right? Like work-life balance and and wanting to be about something besides working eighty hours a week. And yeah, when I grew up, uh, you know, in the eighties, it was like, okay, how many hours can you work? I can outwork you. You can outwork me. And that was all that mattered. Like there was no work-life balance. <laughs> well, so this is another thing. So we grew up in a time where we were just sort of edging up against that idea that if you put in really a lot of, a lot of work and you really gave it your all that, you know, the company would take care of you. Now we're entrepreneurs. So, but part of what pivoted me on my entrepreneurial journey was watching my dad take the buyout from IBM because IBM mm. was completely pivoting and trying to get away from, um, you know, get, people who might, like my dad who'd worked there 30 years, didn't have any value anymore. Yeah. And so um, when looking at that, I said, oh, wow, you know, I was a teenager and oh, so you can give your whole life and make someone else a billionaire. And then at the end of the day, they're going to go, hey, Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. See ya. So millennials have said, whether they work for someone else or whether they work for themselves, millennials have said, it's cool. I understand the difference between those two opportunities. Um, but you don't get, you don't get all me. And they also have had to draw lines because they're accessible in a way that, you know, used to be, I would leave work. There was no way for my boss to get a hold of me. I mean, but now. Right. Right. 
24-7 communication. So they have had to create boundaries for themselves, culturally, financially, and socially that, that are a direct reflection to what happened in the previous 30 years before they mm. entered the workforce. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. You're right. You do have to be able to create boundaries because if not, the smartphone will just make you work all the time. That's really, that's a really good point. When are you ever going to turn it off? Oh man. You know, know, I feel sorry for, for folks that don't remember a world without that because yeah, me and you, we were like, Hey, when we left the office or we were going from one location to another, like that was it. You you weren't going to talk to me until I get to San Antonio. See, you know, see ya. (laughs) <laughs> like I, this is why I don't want to have cell phone coverage on the plane, right? Yeah. I oh, love yeah. being disconnected, even if the flight's only an hour and a half or two hours. Actual disconnection time. Okay, so my the way I can, can be re- the way I totally agree, and the way I relate to that because I live in Colorado. When I get my Jeep and I go up in the mountains to go camping, I will purposely like get over like in a camping area, like at a forest road or something, and I will look at my phone. And if I still have service, I'll just keep going until I find a place yeah. where I don't have service. <laughs> no, I, we have to have that. We have to have that space. Totally and, agree. Yep. Totally. We have to have that space. Millennials are creating it for themselves. We have to figure it out because, you know, this all happened to us, not, <laughs> you know, with us. And uh, so, but yeah, I mean, yeah, totally agree. you've got to unplug. I think uh, to wrap up what we wrap up what we were talking about there though, um, I do think it's fascinating with company and CEO social media comments, and I think it's going to tie heavily back into your PR business because you're going to be able to help people either when they mess it up or when they're trying to decide what to communicate. I think there's a, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of opportunity area for you there oh, yeah. because we're never because done. I, I have friends that own businesses and I see some of the shit they put online and I'm like, I'll call them up and be like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're see, this goes back to, I can't care more about your brand than you do though. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I see people, I see people do and say things. Uh, oh. <laughs> and I think, well, you're entitled to do that. I mean, I, yep, I'm sure. not going to say that you, sh- that you can't, but what I am going to say is, is if you haven't thought through, I mean, I have some <laughs> controversial I weigh in on some controversial topics on occasion, but I think very clearly about yes. what happens if a potential client sees this? What happens Bingo. if, yeah. what's the message I'm trying to send by making this statement? Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm okay with it, since I'm, I own my own business, since I'm, I don't have any mm-hmm. business partners, then I can manage that. But I always think about mm-hmm. what happens if stumble, someone stumbles on this five years from now, where am I going to be? Where am I going to be? So I work, I work, I do a little checklist in my own head before I, I do say too. anything. I, I do mm-hmm. too. I do too. I'll even, I'll even go as far and my, my wife's going to be mad because I said this. Sometimes my wife will put something online and I'll, I'll go upstairs and I'll be like, what are you doing? Take that off of your Facebook right now. <laughs> not you that, have to think about way, it. By the way, by the way, for the listeners, not that I can control what my wife puts on Facebook because she can do whatever she wants, but I will ask her politely to maybe take something down. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard i think it's hard yeah. for it's yeah i yeah, mean yeah. look um, i have 13 nieces and nephews so and i'm <laughs> there uh the youngest is 13 and the oldest is 32 so there's a right. wide swath of opinions there and on occasion i'm surprised by some of their <laughs> viewpoints and uh so i you know oh. it's hard it, it's hard that we all know that we're all interconnected or 
it's, it's an oddball world that we live in, but we great can always take responsibility for ourselves. Yes. Great conversation, Tara. I want to ask you two final questions here real quick as we, as we uh, close up, by the way, for the listeners, let me just, before I do that, I just want to make sure. Avance. See how Avance. I said that? Wow. Yeah. I sound very, did I sound it so really well. smart. I sound really smart. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so for everybody that wants to look up Tara Cummins and her company, it is, uh, so, so it's avaansmedia.com. Yeah. Avaansmedia.com. Or yep. you can find Tara on LinkedIn as well and send her, send her a bunch of like spam LinkedIn messages. Cause I know she loves. Yeah, those. please. My absolute <laughs> favorite these days. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Ask me, um, introduce yourself and ask me if I want to buy what you're selling. Uh, you know what? Can I, can I, can, can we just send a, a note can to LinkedIn right now? Like, that? please, like, please LinkedIn, please control the messages. Yes. It's all, I get 20 messages on LinkedIn a day and 19 of them are BS sales pitch messages yeah. that I hate. Anyway. Me too. <laughs> I don't have to engage with almost anyone. If someone, if someone talks, engages with me on LinkedIn and, and they say, hey, I'm interested in what you do, or right, um, right. I just, I, I would like to connect with you because I, you know, I'm curious. I'm, I'm fine with that. Right. How about just maybe to... engage with me just a little bit before you try and sell me? I mean, yeah, I don't please. know. Please, you know, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, we can't just, we got a date. We got a date a little bit. You can't just yeah. ask me to like go back to the apartment like right away. <laughs> yeah, can you hold my hand first? <laughs> yeah. Uh, two final questions. Um, if you could call Tara coming out of Arizona State when she was, I'm going to guess you were 21 or something around there. When you were coming out of Arizona State, if you could call her right now and tell her anything based on what you know, what would that be? I would tell her that she's capable of a lot more than she thinks she is. Be more confident, be more, be a little more bold. Yeah. Just have a little more confidence in your own, in your own abilities. Right. I really, at that age had no idea what I was, what was possible. Mm -hmm. um, I was a little, I was pretty gutsy and bold, but I didn't actually have the self-confidence to back it up. It was more, it was more, I thought it was, you know, I, if I was flashy, it didn't matter. You know, I could sort of BS my way through it. Well, it turns out I can actually do it. So <laughs> I would tell myself, you don't have to be so bold. And so, you know, be, be a risk taker, have some fun with your career, but by all means, but have a little confidence in what you can do for yourself. Mm, I like that. And then how about this? If you could put your core purpose into a sentence right now at this stage in life, what would that sound like for you? Um, my personal core purpose is, is always going to be to elevate the people that are in my life. If that's a client, if that's a family member, if it's a friend. And by elevate, I mean help them find their own power and their own strength. Mm. Okay, very good. Everybody does need a little help and a little boost, don't they? We all do. We all do. Yeah. Right? We, we all yeah. do. We all do. Absolutely. Ter Tara, great conversation. I really appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was really nice getting to know you. And I hope we get to do it again someday. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. 
The RiderFlex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviewing. You can visit RiderFlex.com to learn more about us and get information and pricing on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.